You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. What's good, everybody? How you doing this morning? Good? All right. Even if you're not doing good, I'm going to pray that God's going to encourage your heart, and then by the end, you will be doing good. So, um, or at least be encouraged. <laughs> uh, hey, this morning when you came in, you should have seen one of these things that says, Heart for the House, um, on your seat. At the end, I'm going to talk about this, uh, so don't worry too much about that right now, but we're going to be sharing a little bit. I'm excited, man, for all the things that are coming up. Small groups starting this week, I'm pretty excited for. Make sure uh, if you haven't signed up for a small group that you do, we have 11 of them. A couple of them are closed, but a a lot of them are still open. So if you want to sign up again, when we talk about connecting, this is the way to connect to Banner Church. We got them all over the valley. We even have one all the way at GCU. We got Tempe. Oh, that's who's leading it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, and we got them all over, so we're pretty excited. Uh, we got a junior high group. If you have a junior high student or know a junior high student, we'd love to get them connected. We have a prayer group that meets here on Thursdays. We've got all kinds of stuff. So, um, again, I will gladly just help you if you have any questions, and so would my loving wife. Um, but we're excited. I'm Uh, We went away this weekend, Uh, well, went away, we stayed in town, but just told people we were leaving, Um, (laughs) because, yeah, because money, Um, but we went away because it was our 10-year anniversary on Thursday, so, my wife and I have been together for 15 years, and you're like, really, been together since you were two? Yes, (laughs) two years old, Uh, 15 years, and uh, we've been married for 10 years, which is so crazy, but so awesome. I definitely got the better end of the deal, but nobody tell her that, and uh, we'll wipe it from the podcast, so she'll forget. It's fine. Uh, but we were praying this weekend, and I really felt, you know, I know we were going to start our series uh, called God Never Said That, and I'm actually very excited to start that next week. It's going to be wild. We got some awesome people speaking in the series. My wife is going to be speaking. Jamin is going to be speaking. Jamin's here as well, and it's going to be really fantastic. So uh, I want to encourage you guys to be a part of that next week. But I really felt like I wanted to share a little bit today on, uh, on this Labor Day weekend, uh, Heart for the House And I think it's important as we begin to reflect uh, on the church that we really share who we are. And I thought, man, what a better day than on Labor Day to kind of give those awesome people that committed to coming to church on Labor Day and uh, committed to being here just something really special that I believe that God's sharing. So would you pray with me this morning? We're going to just jump in. Well, Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to gather here this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. God, I thank you that your word is alive. And I pray that this morning that we would have just soft hearts and open minds to what you want to speak. And so we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to say, you know, it's interesting looking uh, back over the past 10 years and looking over our life. It's interesting really looking where we have come from. Uh, Katie and I, we did not grow up in Arizona. We grew up just north of Seattle in uh, kind of where Boeing is. And that's about all you need to know about that place. <laughs> um, Seattle's great. And there you go. Um, I love the Northwest. We, you know, we're Northwest kids. We lived there, you know, for 30 years of our life and just... Uh, Absolutely, you know, our family's there and our friends are there. But Katie and I, we love Arizona. And I know not everybody loves Arizona, but I love Arizona. All right, good. Arizona people are way more Midwesterners than the last service. 
but I love Arizona. Uh, I, I love heat. I know uh, my daughter's playing soccer. I don't love the heat so much there. Um, but I, lo- I like heat. I'm tired of being wet and cold, so I like it. I know some people love the drizzle. I don't. I love it here. I love, I love everything about Arizona. I love being close to the border. I love the different people. I love that people are from all over. I love it down to, I, this is going to sound so weird, but I mean, I, you should hope that your pastor loves this city. And <laughs> is I love the sound the dirt makes when you walk on it. Because I come from mud country where the river meets more water. And uh, it, this, the ground doesn't make a sound. It goes like, whoosh, like when you walk on it. <laughs> I do miss grass, but I, I love the sound that the dirt makes when you crunch it with your feet. It's so good. It just sounds good. It feels good. I, I know some people are like, yeah, you know, what about hometown pride? I just love that Scottsdale is made up of people from all over. And it's like everybody moved here. Some people are running from things. Some people are running to things. Everybody's just trying to, like, figure it out. And it's hot, and so they're just, like, trying to figure out what am I doing, what is my life. See, I love that. I just, I love Scottsdale. I know some people are like, oh, it's Snobsdale, da, da, da. It's like we all aren't hanging out with who I'm hanging out with because there's some awesome people in Scottsdale. And there's good people all over this city. I love this city. I love Scottsdale. I love the families here. I love the schools here. I love the restaurants here. I love the people here. And so Katie and I, we just, we just love this place, honestly, uh, which is probably good because we live here. And... Uh, <laughs> And we're just 100% people. But when we were in Washington, and we loved where we lived, we're, you know, we're deep roots people, so we loved our city, and there wasn't a lot to love, but we worked with music initiatives to make it great, and art initiatives, and worked for the, the school, or worked for the uh, church to work with schools and all kinds of things, and we loved it. But we felt God calling us a couple years ago to come to Arizona. And it's actually been, now when I go back and I was thinking in the first service, it's been seven years since we first felt called by God to come to Arizona. That's like literally the first seed that God planted. We've been coming here a long time, but the first seed that God planted in our life took really seven years to grow into a harvest. And so we were just praying uh, in this season, and we were working at a church in Washington uh, three years ago now. We're just praying, God, would you just begin to show us uh, what our future is and, and where you're leading us. And I never expected in a million years, honestly, uh, that he would reawaken that, that calling for Arizona. I figured this is where I'm born. This is where I'm going to live. This is where I'm going to die. I walk into a restaurant. I know every person. I walk into, you know, some place. I know these people. This is my whole life. And I, like, prided myself on that. And yet God called us to Arizona because he stirred up in our heart a desire to plant a church that was filled with the Holy Spirit and that was rooted deeply in the word of God. And so God kind of called us out of this place. We're five minutes away from all of our family, and yet God called us. And, and I, I believe that he has given us the gift of fiercely loving Arizona because he called us from the things that we thought that we did love. And we just, I, I love it here. Sometimes when I get really discouraged, and be honest, anybody else do this, you just like kind of go on Google Earth and you look up like, okay, let me look for the green part of the country. Okay, there. I wonder what, how, what's that like there? <laughs> I just always come back to Arizona because this is where God has called us. And so uh, it would be literally this week, three years ago, that my wife and I packed up our then two-year-old daughter and we got in the car and we took off and left and we're uh, left our job, left our home, you know, and we came down to Arizona with six people to plant a church and no money. So we had Nick and Allie who were right here. We had my folks, and we had Molly and Clarissa. Clarissa just got engaged. I'm just saying stick around with us. We'll find you someone to love. Um, 
Some of y'all know that's true. Anyways, uh, and so we came down here, no money, like there was no like church that sent us or supported us, no bank account, no finances. We had a couple friends who were, who were helping us, and so we just kind of like stepped out on this journey and, uh, and just winged it, honestly. We ended up having a couple, uh, having a friend of mine who pastors on the peninsula of Washington Christian Life Center who ended up helping support us a little bit, and it was really great, and I really love Virgil Brown, and for some reason you're randomly listening to this podcast, I love you. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and so we just stepped out, you know, no, no backing, no churches, no money, nothing, just like an awesome group of people. And we came down to Arizona. And when we came down to Arizona, we were just praying, okay, God, direct us and lead us, guide us. And in that guidance, God led us to this awesome couple. And if you were here for our mission Sunday when they were here, you met them and you saw how incredible they are. But led us to Dana and Bridget Metcalf. And Dana and Bridget Metcalf were this awesome couple that were pastoring a church called Church Place in uh, McCormick Ranch. And we just fell in love with them. They were so good and, and so good to our soul and just encouraged our team and loved on our team. And, you know, kind of like our teams, uh, our two groups of people started hanging out. And they just said, hey, would you guys um, help us relaunch this church? Like, would you guys help us as you're preparing to launch? We were going to launch in Tempe because that's where I could afford to live. And uh, would you help us relaunch this church? And we said, yeah, well, we'll help you as we prepare to launch. And so well, uh, we, we had this building in McCormick Ranch and sold it to a developer and uh, bought this property. And this property that you see here used to be a bead store. And you're like, what? How many beads were in here? A lot of beads. Um, and we began to develop this property. And if you've ever developed property, you know it takes twice as long and costs twice as much. And so, alas, it did. And so at, at Christmas time, we had to be out of that building. And so we just shut the whole church down and relaunched. New name, everything, restarted. Basically new everything, new people, new place, new thing. And so in January of 2017, we started and relaunched in a house with 15 to 20 people given the weekend. And it was crazy. And so we just started meeting in a house. If you've ever been a part of a launch team, this is what you do. You meet in a house, and then you invite your friends, and you invite them to church in a house. And then you just do that, and then you prepare to launch. And so we just started meeting together. And as we met together in a house for a while, then we started meeting in a house and in a park because you can only put so many kids in a house with 20 other adults. And so we had about 15, 20 people meeting in a house, meeting in a park. It's the beauty of Arizona. You can meet in a park in January, and it's a little, it's a little chilly, but it's still good. And so we went from meeting this house in the park, and we moved into a, a, a hotel. And we met at the Embassy Suites. You guys know where this hotel is up here? And at the Embassy Suites, we had our very first guest. I'm just giving you a little backstory. We had our very first guest. And can I tell you, when you've met in a house, having a guest walk in, I think, I mean, he still goes here. That's Michael. We love Michael. That had to be the most overwhelming experience for him. It's like when you walk into a department store that no one's been in, and all the people come around like, hey, can I help you find something? How are you doing? Can I help you find it? Are you good? Do you need something? Medium? Medium? Small? How are you doing? Medium? Small? Small. I've never heard that in my life. Large? Extra large? What are we doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking, y'all. And God's a God of miracles. Um, 
So we started meeting in this hotel, and uh, we, we did our big service on Easter. And, you know, you put everything into Easter, right? And mind you, we're setting up and tearing down. It's 100 degrees or whatever temperature, close to 100 it was. Setting up and tearing down, bringing all the gear. We'd bring all the gear every week. We'd bring it in. This didn't used to be here. This was just a big hole that we knocked a wall out. And so we'd bring all the stuff in. We'd anoint it with oil and lay hands on it and pray that no one stole it. And then we'd go. <laughs> and no one did, thank the Lord. And so we started meeting in this thing. We did our Easter service, and, man, it was incredible. I remember uh, going from, you know, having the 15, 20 people in the house, uh, and on Easter Sunday we had 60 people. You're, you're allowed to cheer. That's okay. Yeah, I know. You're like 60. You guys suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had 60 people, and it was so cool. And then we came out of Easter service, and we were so excited, and we're waiting to unload and to load everything into the trailer and bring it back here and just put it and lay hands upon it so no one steals it. And we're waiting, <clears throat> and we're waiting. Trailer never comes. That was the morning. <laughs> Our trailer driver decided to leave the church, so we just took all of our gear, and we loaded it into the cars, and just packed them to the brim, and just sat my toddler on the top of a subwoofer, and just drove it over here to the church, and loaded it up, and said, you know, whatever you do, and we just left, and we prayed. And we went through this process, again, as a church, is, uh, we, we moved from the the hotel, you know, after Easter, because all the CEOs, Christmas and Easter onlys, we had about 40 people, and we, we went from meeting in the hotel to meeting at Tonalea, and we love Tonalea, it's a great school, we met in what they have graciously dubbed their cafetorium, which is exactly what it sounds like it is, the beautiful combination of a cafe and an auditorium, and, uh, that's about as good as it gets, and uh, we met there, and we had, I think there's a picture, we had about 40 people, I think about 12 of the people in this picture still go to this church. Um, yeah, we shake them loose, y'all. Um, and so people uh, were coming. It was really, really awesome. And in this whole time, we're meeting at the school. We just had an awesome group of people. I'm just so thankful uh, for every person that was a part of the church during that season. We had some great people that partnered with us that are now on to other things. And we just rejoice, honestly, over everybody in every season that comes and is a part of Banner Church. You know, I know some people get, get hard on that, like, oh, you're here, now you're leaving, you're leaving us. Man, I'm just so thankful for every person that God brings in. I'm so thankful for every season that God brings in. I'm so thankful for every time. And when you go, I just want you to hear me say, we're just gracious about it, unless you don't show up with the trailer. <laughs> we do deliverance ministry later. But we're just so thankful for it, and honestly, every person. And so we started meeting, and we started doing prayer meetings in the basement of this building. We have a basement. It's where we put the louder kids. And, uh, and it was awesome. We'd gather together in this room. It was like this not quite right, white, not quite beige color. And we'd just pray and have these awesome prayer meetings and just see God move. And it was so encouraging because it was really the encouraging thing happening. Uh, and, and it was amazing to see all these things build up. And so in November 5th of 2017, we had our grand opening, which is awesome. Amen? Amen. That was a blast. We had people from all over. Uh, the thing about grand openings is you just get people from everywhere, and then the next week you learn, like, who actually goes to your church. It's like, not like who drove from Flagstaff. It's like who actually lives here. 
And so it was great. And it was about this time we were doing this grand opening that Dana and Bridget met with us and our team and said, hey, I know as you guys are preparing to go to Tempe and to launch there, would you guys consider changing your plans uh, if the Lord leads you? And we're like, okay, great. Um, and again, I'm a barrier heart person, so I'm just like locked into Tempe at this moment. And they said, listen, we feel like God has called us to go to Thailand and to do there what, you know, we're all doing here together. But we really feel like God brought you guys along in this moment to lead the church in the next step for where he wants to take it. And so my wife and I, we prayed. We're big fans of prayer and fasting. In fact, uh, in January, every year we do 21 days of prayer and fasting because the Bible tells us that there are some things that require prayer and fasting to be broken. So we were part of praying and fasting together, and we just prayed, God, where are you leading us? And God gave us just such a burden and a heart for Scottsdale, which is something living in Everett and kind of living in a little bit of the hood, I never thought I would get such a heart for Scott Steele, and yet God has just given us this burning desire for every person here. And so in March of 2018, Katie and I became the lead pastors of Banner Church. I think we have a, hey, there's us and our cute baby. And it's great to see, uh, you know, we had our first Easter after we took over, and we just celebrated. Again, Easter numbers aren't real numbers, but we like to see the progress. And so if we had 60 at the hotel on Easter, we had 120 that year on Easter. And we were so excited when we took over, okay, 120. And then, of course, you know, it goes down to like 75 after Easter. But, and you're like, why are these numbers important? I'm going to tell you another number. And it's important because we count people because people count. Like, I don't get a bonus for bringing in people. Like, my salary set by a board. If there's like 100 people here or five people here, I don't like get paid more because y'all give more on some Sunday. Like, that's not how it works. We have a financial accountability board. But I tell you this because people count to us. People matter to us. And so what's been amazing to see is the transition that this Easter in 2019, we had 240 people come to Banner Church. And then in August, I know I, I talked to other pastors, and they were like, wait, hey, man, just wait till September to go to two services because on Labor Day, ain't nobody's going to go to church. Don't even have church. Like, just do church online. And I'm like, this is all I know how to do. Like, I only know how to live life on mission, and so we're just going to go two services. And so we've seen the awesome, again, this is God, the name in the book, not on the building. This is God. Who, who has given us the blessing as we went to two services in August. We've averaged with kids and everybody over 154 people every week. So we're pretty excited as a church. And as I look back over these last couple of years, as we, as we as Banner Church, not me and Katie, we as Banner Church, we support over 22 missionaries. We've sent a mission team to Tijuana. We, have, we now have a sister church in Bangkok, Thailand that Katie and I were just at. We've helped and we support and we've done uh, outreaches with Chi Alpha in Tempe. We've done outreaches with Unite Phoenix and Christmas and Garfield, ministering to the families in downtown Phoenix. We've worked with OCJ Kids, right? We as Banner Church have supported the foster care kids and foster care group homes in our city. It's what has ignited in Katie and I a desire for adoption, which be praying for us. We're like so close. We've supplied and taught English to Syrian Refugee families in Phoenix, Jamin and some incredible people were a part of that. All the resources and books teaching English to these refugees in the heart of our city. We've ministered and cared for weekly and monthly and seasonally uh, special needs and behavioral health homes in uh, just down here in Tempe Mesa. 
We've sponsored over 60 kids through Feed One. We, we, we've just seen God do incredible things, miracles in lives and transformations in lives. And I think it's crazy when I look at the pictures and as I was going through my computer, I looked back and I looked at 15, 20 people in a house and I jumped forward to see 150 people on a Sunday. And I just think that's God. Like, it's not us. It's not, it's not me or Katie or each one of us. It's, it's what God is doing through just eager hearts and willing hearts here at Banner Church. The kids' ministry, this is crazy. I love Delaney. She's in the service so I can brag on her to her face. Delaney is literally the greatest. And here's, yeah, we can celebrate her. Here's my, here's my, I'll do this because you're here, Delaney. We love Delaney so much. If you get scheduled, don't bail because I don't want her to quit. I want her to love working here. Uh, so if you get scheduled, do it. Um, and, and so she can stay forever because we went from one kid, my kid. I mean, it's hard. Has you ever prayed for your kid to have friends because they're alone? One kid meeting in a house to now averaging 22 kids. I just saw the number the other day in kids ministry. And it's awesome. This year, since January, we've seen 30 people make a decision to follow Christ, and we've baptized eight people. Again, and I come from a place of pretendence, so these are real gritty numbers. My wife will not let me alter any of these or get overly excited. She's like, no, it's eight. If I'm like, I think it's nine, it's eight. I have the numbers. Here's the numbers. <laughs> these are real. But I say this to say, like, we are just so thankful for what God has done at Banner Church. And as I look ahead to the fall, it's like, how has this happened? Are we just lucky? Maybe a little. Are we spoiled? I, I would say as I look back over these three years, when it comes to, to church and ministry, in ministry toughness, these have been some of the toughest three ministry years of my whole life. I have never wanted to quit ministry more than in these three years. All the 10 years, these three, more than any, I thought, what on earth have I got myself into? And I would never do that because that's not who I am and that God has called us here. And I come back to the fact that as hard as they've been, as difficult as they've been, as a pastor, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. What's going on? We're trying to build this building and do these things and, and just pray like, God, we need a miracle. I have seen God do more miraculous things in those three years than all of my ministry combined. Like we have seen God deliver people. We have seen God release people from fear and anxiety and depression. I've seen God heal people. I've prayed with people at freaking chop shop and had them just their lives transform and begin a relationship with Jesus and seen depression. Literally, you can watch it leave their body because God is moving. And this church has grown not because of a system, not because of a strategy. I love those things. They're so important. But it's grown because at every stage we've always sought God in his direction and for who we are called to be. Man, if you're new here at Banner Church, we have always, from day one, when I sat down with Dana, the first thing we did is seek the Lord in prayer and fasting and set core values for this church. I said, we got to know who we are and who God has called us to be. And I think that's so important. As Katie and I begin to sit down, I told Katie, I said, we got to share with our people what are our team values. Because we have team values here as a church, but they're a little more like, uh, like close to the chest. But I think that I, I love our church, and I want to share what we're really about so you can get the culture and get the heart. Can we do that this morning? 
Because I want to share really who we are. I want to share what we're about. Because I think if you can really get a hold of what God's doing here, if you're on the fence at all, I believe God's going to give you a greater heart for the house here at Banner Church. We love the church global, but we really love this church. Because we really love Scottsdale. And we really want to see this city win. So I'm going to give you a couple of culture things. Uh, if you came in, you should have got one of those calendars. It's going to have some uh, info on the back, and it should have some lines that you can write notes on. If not, scribble them on your neighbor's arm, and you should be good to go. Here's the very first thing. We passionately pursue the presence of God. Somebody say passionately. Passionately. You might have guessed, I am a passionate person. But we're all about the presence of God at Banner Church. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The methods might change. The, the, the style might change. The systems might change. The cornerstone remains the same, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we're all about Banner Church. We're all about Jesus Christ. Because we believe that the relationship we have with God is one of the greatest blessings we could ever receive. Because it is in the presence of God, the daily presence of relationship, of being with him, of walking with him, of pursuing him, that we find love and freedom and hope and power and authority, that we find healing, restoration, and transformation. And we value that. Philippians 3, 7, if you're writing notes or on your neighbor's arm, write Philippians 3, 7 down and tell them to take a photo later. It says this. But whatever gain I had, this is Paul talking, I counted as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul passionately pursued God, not, not to earn his salvation, right, but because God is worth pursuing. Our passionate, our passionate pursuit is a response to the passionate sacrifice, the passionate love that God has for us. It's not to earn it. It's we're responding to what he's given. If someone told you got to earn it, um, stick around banner and we'll break that away long, eventually. That you don't got to earn salvation. You don't got to earn these things. You don't got to earn love. God has given them to you. Because like we, we don't think that the presence of God is just some nice idea. That the presence of God is like the pad. And then when the band turns it on, we're like, presence of God is here. And we just like long, launch in. The presence of God is not a worship moment. We believe that the presence of God, that, that literally to draw nearer to him is so important. And yeah, we might get a little wild. I get a little fired up, so it might come out as that. But I'm not saying emotion means you're close. I'm saying that a desire to be in relationship. We pursue through passionate worship. That's why we do presence night. If you're like, why do we do presence night? We do it because I believe that worship breaks chains. I got testimony and scripture to prove it. That worship transforms, it renews, it restores. Because worship brings our minds, our hearts, and our bodies into alignment with what God is doing. 
Again, I'm not saying, like, if you didn't raise your hands today in worship, you didn't enter the presence of God or God's not near you. That's not it at all. And at Banner Church, I would never even begin to tell somebody they had to physically respond in a certain way in order to really be worshiping. I just mean when you begin to worship the Lord and begin to cry out to him, it just, it, it aligns your heart and your mind and your body as you praise him and sing out to him that informs your heart. And God always honors that. But not only do we pursue through worship, we pursue through discipleship, right? Because it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not like the presence of God is here and when you leave it, you're in trouble until you come back for presence night Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It, that's not what it's about. But we pursue through discipleship. Did you know, church, that you were called to be a disciple who makes disciples? When Jesus set up the whole us following thing, he didn't make like some separate group of, of like hyper elite who are now, uh, now the only people that can disciple. Now there are people who are gifted as disciples and apostles, and there's very clear giftings we're told about. And so not everybody's gifted the same, but we're all called to disciple, to make disciples. And I just, I, I think it, at church sometimes we feel like this idea of pursuing God with our life, the idea of pursuing him in prayer and worship, the idea of pursuing him, the idea of making disciples and teaching others to do the same, we think like, well, that's just a special group. But can I tell you at Banner Church, we passionately pursue God in our daily lives. Daily pursuit. And I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, you can just reject the idea that discipleship isn't for you. If you struggle with how do I disciple, we'd love to work with you on that. More importantly, join a small group, and then you will be there. Okay, second thing. Everyone sit with me. Say amen. Amen. We do whatever it takes. Check this. Mark 2. And when he, meaning Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room even at the door. And he, Jesus, was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, which is a really nice way of saying they ripped the roof apart. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Man, this is the culture of Banner Church right here. Whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. Like digging through the roof, making a mess, making some people a little angry. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Whatever it takes to get people to Jesus, that's what it's about. We stop short of sinning, obviously. Uh, but anything that gets people to Jesus, we're going to do as Banner Church whatever it takes to share the love of God because we believe that it transforms not only your life but your eternity. And there's no job too messy. There's no job too small. There's no job too big. It's not someone else's job. Oh, yeah, you know, someone else needs to serve. Someone else needs to do this. Someone else needs to pick this up. I just come to be here. Like There's, there's nothing too small. We as Banner Church, we do whatever it takes. I love the spirit of these men. They climbed to the top of the roof and said, you know what? There's all these obstacles to getting our friend to Jesus. So you know what? We're just, we're just going to go for it. I, I don't know. I, I didn't look up all the code for ripping apart someone's roof. I'm going to consider that's not kosher. And they just went up there and did it. But I respect it. That they said, you know what? I know there's some things that, that are separating my friend from Jesus. But I'm willing to get a little dirty and a little messy. I'm willing to climb up here. I'm a little, little, you know, willing to make a little damage to get in here and get my friend to Jesus because I'm all about whatever it takes. 
Man, we planted the church. That's what it was about. Nobody in their right mind was tearing down a church and bringing an open-air trailer in 100 degrees, tearing down a sound system to bring it and pack it in here where it was also 100 degrees just for fun. We're doing it because we saw God transforming lives, and we said, whatever it takes. If we're not doing this banner church because we don't have anything better to do on the weekend, it's because we believe that God transformed lives. We're all about whatever it takes to get people to Jesus, setting up in schools, inviting difficult people, praying into the late hours, praying in the early hours, hosting a small group when we don't feel like our house is up to par. But you know what? We're just like, whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. Stepping out even though we're an introvert, but we're like, you know what? Maybe I'll just go out on a limb and try one time because whatever it takes, serving on a guest care team, even though you just want to sleep, Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. It goes with this. This is the third thing. If you're still with me, here it is. We give up things we love for things we love even more. And that's the culture that we believe and pray and see, but want even more, is that we give up things we love for things we love even more. We moved down to Phoenix, and my wife and I, I think we gave up something pretty good. I worked really hard to take a church into multiple stages to a place that was pretty comfortable in my life. In many ways, family, finance, friends. And yet God was calling us to something greater. Because I don't just believe nice things for the church. I believe great things for the church. In Mark 10, 17, it says that when Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he, meaning the young man, went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. See, Jesus loved him, and so he looked at him, and he evaluated his heart, and he said, there's something that you love. Are you willing to give up what you love for something that you love even more? Because Jesus is not second string. There's not me as God, and then Christ is God. There's only God. There's only God on, my, on the throne of my heart. And so Jesus spoke to the man about what he truly loved and said, do you love me more? For him, it was money. For some of us, it's comfort. We love our comfort. We love our system. For some of us, it's time. Man, I love my time. I love my time to myself. But I'm willing to give up my time, what I love, for what I love even more, which is that people will get a God-sized dream in their life. They will begin to experience the freedom and the power of a new life in Christ. Right? I'm willing to, I, I love having money. Money's nice. I like to pay bills. It's great. But I'm willing to give up what I worked hard for, what I love, or something I love even more, which is life transformation, which is the multiplication of the mission, which is the kingdom of God and the church growing and impacting and bringing revival to the city. So I'm willing to give up what I love, which is myself, for what I love even more, which is Christ. And that's the culture of Banner Church. We are full of people, and I just celebrate you, and I love you, and I say thank you this morning that we are the kind of church that gives up what we love for what we love even more. See, this is why we serve. This is why we give. This is why we invite, not because of guilt, 
but because of greatness, that God has called us to greater things, that God has called Banner Church to great things, that he can multiply what we cannot, that he can do a miracle in where we cannot. And so as a church, when we begin to give up the things that we love so deeply, like that young man with the money, and we give it up to him or our time or our comfort zone, and we give it to him, he takes that and says, okay, now I'm going to give you something that you love even more, like salvation for your family, healing in your city, freedom from depression and oppression, a kingdom of God that has raised up a young generation of people that understand their identity and are rooted in the truth that their world changes filled with the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. And so I'm looking for a church that says, at the end of my life, I don't want a stockpile of my giftings. I want them to be poured out, emptied, overflowing into the streets of Scottsdale. I don't want to look and have my young kids come in and find a pantry of my gifts and wonder why they didn't get poured out into them and into their friends and into the city and into the schools. So my prayer is we would be a church that says, not only whatever it takes but we give up things we love for things we love even more. How do we do that? Next culture statement is that we lead from the front. See, not only did Jesus flip the good for the great, he flipped how you become great. And I love that about Jesus is he's just like this. Mark 10 again says, And Jesus called them to him, his disciples to him, and said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slaves of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the thing in life. If you want to be great, serve. There's no bypass. There's no second option. If you want to be great in life, serve. If you want to be great in someone's eyes, take. If you want to be great in life as Christ intended, then serve. Walk in that. And as a church, we desire to be a church that is first to serve and last to be served. That's just good for all of us. A church where everybody serves each other is just good for the city. It's good for us. It's good for each other. The church that serves first and doesn't wait to be served. A church that is bringing to the table and not just consuming. It's so powerful. Because church isn't just a me thing. It's a we thing. And the better we are, the healthier I'm going to be. Because we're united together. We stand with one another. We support one another. We encourage one another. We're together as a church. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me tell you, church, if we can get a hold of that together, if we could serve each other like no other group of people, that leads to the best example. The early church, what were they famous for? Selling all that they had and coming together and just serving and caring and giving and supporting one another. They weren't without their challenges. They weren't without their difficulty, but they were marked by service. And so we're big on leading from the front. Like, how do you lead? How do you lead from the front, man? Let me tell you, this is really practical. First is you worship in the front, like on a Sunday, literally in the front. Uh, <laughs> you, you stop glaring at the band, give them a break, and just you smile. Just lead the front. Uh, the, the reason that we encourage our teams, again, if you're, if you're new here, you're going to get some inside information. So give me one minute. I'm going to give you inside information. This is just the blessing of being here on Labor Day. Uh, it's more expository than this normally, but you're going to get inside info. 
on a worship service, if you're new, I've been to a lot of churches and been new there. The worship leader, for some reason, seems to have this blessed ability to pick out, like, the newest person and just, like, lock eyes with them as they're singing a song that you don't know. And you're like, Christ has Jesus, nothing else cares. Like, if I raise, just, if I raise my hand, will you stop looking at me? Like, so as a church, Banner, uh, Banner Church, we, we lead from the front because, again, you lead somebody in the front, not behind. I don't push my kid in the front. I lead them. We, we, we guide it. And so you create safety when you show, hey, this is an okay place to be yourself in. So the more you're yourself in front of others, the more it works. Second thing is you can lead from the front door, meaning when you come in, you already got your friend's phone. you got to constantly encounter the people who are new. I just love that. I love seeing I've been on Facebook a lot recently and just seeing all these posts of people connecting with one another. And, man, I'm a huge fan of that, people that are just becoming such great friends. I love that. Also, automate giving. Lead from the front in your giving. We automate what is important. Here's the thing. Uh, and, again, this is insider info. So if you're new, just let it all go past. It's fine. Don't let someone else foot the bill for your family. If this is your church family, don't let someone else foot the bill. That's how it works as a church. Is that if I went to dinner with my family and I said, oh, hey, you know what? I got to go. Maybe you can take this. I, I got control issues, so I don't want to give you my money because I don't know if I'm going to trust you with it. And then I just left. You'd be like, I don't know if you're a good dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> Again, this is how it works in our family as a church. Again, we automate what's important because we lead from the front. And why is that? Because we work, this is, this is one of the last ones here this morning. We work intentionally to become a healthy family. At Banner Church, when I'm saying family, I'm not joking. It is important that we act like family, which means you got to come around. you got to be a part of what's happening. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it's the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, it's been a battle since the beginning of the church that I'm naturally selfish. And I will just confess for me so you don't get called out. I'm naturally a selfish person. I like what I like. I like to be on the throne of my own life, and I like to guide myself. But here's the thing about churches. We don't want people to live in obscurity as a church. We want, we want to be connected and united and to be focused, but we have to be intentional about it. Has anyone ever been to your in-law's family reunion? Okay, good. Just me. That is the weirdest experience on the face of the earth. When you go into a family of like 40 people that you've never met and like you're married, so now you're family but, like, you don't know any of these stories, and you only know the one weird cousin that you blocked on Facebook from all his political posts. It's like, I don't know anything that's happening here. I don't know any of these memories. And so, like, you're on the outside. And so, I mean, we're, we're connected in a way, but I'm, on a, I'm an outsider. And so what has to happen in that moment is someone from the family has to say, like, hey, come on, man, now you're family. You're invited in. And even then, you're probably like, oh, it's fine. I'll just stand over here by the drink cooler. Uh, but... In those moments where we keep inviting and keep bringing in, we got to work intentionally because church is all about shifting from watching to inviting, from waiting to inviting, from waiting for someone to invite you to a small group to bringing people along to the small group, from waiting for people to call you to start calling people, from waiting to reach out for someone to reach out to you to reach out to others. You can usually tell where you are mentally in this moment when Katie says, hey, turn around and greet your neighbor if you turn around or not. That's a good mental assessment of where you're at uh, when it comes to 
meeting new people. But this is important because we, we desire Banner Church, we said from the beginning, to draw people in. Because being family means you got access and responsibility. Right? It means like you know that you know the people have your back. And can I tell you, if you've not experienced much life yet, let me just tell you, eventually you're going to need people to have your back. You're going to need people to call at 1 a.m. and say, hey, man, I need you to be praying for me. I'm going through some stuff. You're going to need some people that could stand beside you, that could walk with you, that can believe for you, that can lift you up. And you need to be the kind of person that can stand beside someone and walk behind them and lift them up. To be the kind of person that takes calls at 1 o'clock in the morning, even though you love your sleep, but you're willing to give something you love for something you love even more. And you take that call and you pray and believe with someone and see life transformation. See, the bigger we grow as a church, the smaller we got to become. When we were 15 people, I could chase everybody. We do 150 on a Sunday. There's 250 in our database. I can't chase all of you, and you probably don't want that. Anyways. How it works is that we grow smaller, we grow in circles. You're going to grow better in a circle than you do in a row. You're going to connect better together in a small group than at any other point. It doesn't matter if you're all the way at GCU. You are going to connect better in that small group than showing up to any service, no matter how big or how small. It's going to transform your life. And that's what we believe as a church, that we got to work intentionally to build that, that family. Hear me, I'm a great, I'm a okay, good on the line, good pastor. I'm a terrible funnel. I cannot be the funnel of your relationships. You got to make your own friends. You get to call dad out to the cul-de-sac and tell everybody else to be your friend. Got to make yours. But can I just say, church is way more fun when we are all in relationship, when we're all supporting. All these things that we're celebrating, you know what made those things fun? All of the people that we got to do it with. And every time someone else would jump in, all the people we got to celebrate. Man, when we baptize people, that's not for me. That's like we all get to celebrate. When we're out handing out, we handed out thousands of toys at Christmas. When we did that, everybody who showed up and was a part of it got to celebrate. These are things we celebrate together. We all get to celebrate 22 missionaries around the world changing lives. We all get to celebrate in Bangkok, Thailand, there are young women being rescued from sex trafficking because you faithfully give and are a part of Banner Church. We all get to celebrate that. And I guess that here, this is about you. Ready? And you're going to say it with me. I want to say this word. We have fun. Everyone say fun. Fun. And I love fun. I don't know what it is. I tell people I'm a pastor. We're, like, hanging out. We're out doing stuff. I tell them I'm a pastor. And then they, like, apologize to me, like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, it's like, like, like they're, like, they like have to, like, dial it back. Like, I'm just going to, like, rip off my shirt underneath is, like, a priest collar. <laughs> like, gotcha. Grandma sent me. You're dead. <laughs> like, we, we love to have fun. Like, I like having fun. There's a reason there's a pool party at my house after church. It's not because I need more stuff to do. It's because I like having fun. Like, I like having a good time. There's a reason that I made Ty put his arms behind his back and try to decorate a cookie at Christmas and get wild. And you did a great job. You nailed it. It's because we love fun. Why? Because we have received a hope and joy from Jesus Christ. And the world is brutal and difficult and hard and unrelenting sometimes. But God is good and faithful and there's joy here and there's hope here and there's life here. And so at Banner Church, at the end of the day, it should be fun. We believe in fun. We, 
we serve a God that made platypuses. He must know what fun is. You make a crazy duck beaver creature. You definitely got a sense of humor. <laughs> Someone whipped up the emu. But more importantly, when we read Luke 15, if you were part of here in our pursuit series, when we read Luke 15, we see that all of heaven throws a party when someone comes in. Let me tell you, when you are a part of Banner Church, you are a part of the celebration of salvation. We have thrown 30 parties in coordination with heaven this year of people that have given their life to the Lord. Amen. I just love that about churches, that above all the values and all the things, church should be fun. It's difficult, I know. And I know we're messy. I know I'm messy. I know I say things that you don't like. Uh, I, I know all those things. But church should be fun because it's so life-giving. And when you are a part, when you get a heart for the house, when you serve here, you are a part of that, cel that celebration of salvation. You're a part of someone's one day. If you don't know Jesus yet, let me tell you, the day that you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ, you will encounter a love and a hope like you could not believe. And not only will you receive it in this life, but for all eternity, all your sin and shame are washed away, and you receive the hope of Jesus Christ, and you know from that moment on, if I were even to die today, I would live in the freedom of eternal life forever with a God who loves me so deeply that he gave me something I did not have to earn, but just out of the fullness of his love, salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. This year as we were looking out and really praying, God, okay, what are you calling us to this year? And really taking this Labor Day to share. We really feel like God has been just cementing this mission. He gave Katie and I this phrase that really our mission right now as a church is that everyone would experience the freedom and power of the new life in Christ. That everyone, all people from all walks of life and all backgrounds, we're working on some awesome social justice summits for November that I'm really excited about, talking about uh, all sorts of things. But just all people could experience, meaning to really encounter, really know the freedom, freedoming the release, no longer under oppression, no longer sin, no longer shame. And the power, meaning that you receive the Holy Spirit, that you have the Holy Spirit within you. All the fruit and all the gifts for the edification of the body and for evangelism, the freedom and the power of a new life in Christ. Scripture tells us that when we are in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. And so we believe that God is calling us and has given us a mission that all people would experience the freedom and power of a new life in Christ Jesus. And so we're all in for Scottsdale. If, if you don't know me, this is the first time, let me tell you, I am a 100% person. I refuse to give away every element of my life and go dirt broke and move all the way to the hottest place on the earth just to turn the crank on boring consumer church. I refuse to do it. Why? Because I believe that God has given a dream in the hearts of his people to awaken to the future that he has called us, where there is healing and prophecy and life, where there is transformation and change, where oppression and over-medication doesn't reign, but freedom reigns. 
where depression doesn't hold the next generation down, but there's a release of freedom. And I know we love to be hard on the things that follow us, but the generations to come would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we would see such an awakening of healing that people couldn't help but walk in the shadow of someone who follows the Most High God and be healed of everything that afflicts him. That's what I hold on to. That's what I believe. And so as a church, I feel like it's my, my job and my duty is literally my job. I don't just feel that way. Uh, to bring opportunity for us to rally together. That's why in the lobby you'll see new and gently used shoes and new but not gently used socks. Is that we, we had, had Tanalea come to us and they said, listen, we got kids coming who are in shelters or in their car and they don't have shoes. I was like, what, really? Like, no shoes? In Arizona, that just sounds crazy to me. They said, no, they don't have shoes. We need shoes, shoes and socks. They don't have toiletries. They don't have shoes and socks. So we're thankful we have Jacob and Deanna that brought all our toiletries. We love you guys. Thank you for doing that. Can we thank them? It's such awesome, awesome couple that we love. But we said, we, we want to support. We want to just go all in for shoes shoes and socks. I just refuse to live in a city where kids do not have shoes. I, I, I can't live that way. I can't have shoes on the shelf and not shoes on children's feet. It doesn't work for me. It just, I can't live that way. So we said, we'll do it. You know, this Christmas, all right, so we're bringing shoes in next week. Make sure you, you bring them in next week. But this Christmas, we're doing an outreach. It's the first time ever we're doing a huge outreach with Tanalea. They love us. So we're going to do a huge Christmas outreach. And our goal is to give away 1,000 toys to, to children at Tanalea, to love on them, to partner with businesses, to really bless those kids and say, you know what? God loves you and values you and cherishes you. This doesn't come to me. I don't make money from this. We don't make money from this. This is to love our city. Why? Because we got a burden for this generation that God would move and that they would experience the freedom and power of a new life in Christ. We're as fired up as I am about that. If I can be honest, I can just tell you right now we can't do it. Unless we're a church that has a heart for the house. If we're still rocking this 20 people mentality of just praying to God that you actually show up for the thing that you volunteered for, we're just never going to do any of this stuff. If we're just praying to God that people come consistently, if we're just praying, God, would you just help people actually care for someone who walks in the door? We're not going to get there. And we've seen the fruit begin to spring forth. Don't, don't, don't believe that we don't see this. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying there's something that we got to get past that. We got to get past the culture that, that focuses us and begin to focus out. And as we do that and get a heart for the house, I believe that God is going to continue to honor that. Because in every season, when the people of God have stepped up into the mission, as the people of God have stepped up into the calling, God has honored that. We did not grow this church, Banner. God has grown this church. And he has honored the faithfulness. We're not out healing people. God's healing people. I'm not out stirring the hearts of man. God is. So this morning, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to have a heart for the house, I'm going to give you an opportunity. On your seat, you saw this, this sheet here. We're almost done. Two minutes. We've done this morning. And it says, I have a heart for it. And this is just a really simple beginning. I, I just, it's to stir your heart. Some of you already served. You might, you might circle a couple more times, but you see this. And I'm going to give you just, you can even begin to fill it out now if you want. 
but there's something about a church that unites not only over values but culture, but comes together and just says, I, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm all in. Some of you are like, I don't even know what I'm bringing to the table. I, honestly, what am I bringing to this table? Let me tell you, when we were go to Mexico, build houses all the time, my whole life, build houses. You have three days to build a home. It's not a lot of time. And you have about six or seven people to do it, which isn't a lot of people. And I agree, you don't have a lot of time, and I agree we don't have a lot of people. But what's amazing is when we just start men that were working 14 hours that were coming home from work would come from the neighborhood and begin to build. Men who probably wonder, what, what tools do I have for my community would begin to come around and begin to build. Women would bring the children out and they begin to gather materials. Old people who are in like walkers and canes would come and sweep and sweep the, the area clean for all the materials to come in and every person brought what they had. Hear me this morning. I know you might not have a lot of time or energy or resources, so I would never condemn you for what you bring. All I want to say this morning is if you want to see God work a miracle through you, just bring what you have in you. Get a heart for the house this morning and just take that next step. Maybe some of you, you've never served a church before. You, you come to the table, but you never made that choice. Maybe Delaney's tried scheduling you, but it never stuck. This morning, I'm just saying, take a step. Bring what you got. Not for guilt, but for greatness. Say, God, I have a heart for your house. This is my church. This is my family. This is my culture. Can I tell you, if you have a heart for the house, you will not regret it. Because I believe not only has God done miracles, but he's going to continue to do miracles here. And that's what we're just going to see from the Lord. So I want to pray for you this morning. If you would take that card, maybe you've started to fill it out or have thought about filling it out. I want to pray for you this morning as you hold that. You'll see on there, there's a couple things listed. I have a heart for some items, and I will serve one to two, two to three. That's basically an hour, a month or two hours a month, then your time. And we put on there, send me info about automated giving. I just wanna encourage you again to automate what's important. If you come here every Sunday and you eat at the table of what God's bringing, I just encourage you to be a part of that. And I know God commands us. Another preacher thing is to say, God has commanded you to do it. Listen, I don't wanna guilt you into anything. I'm just telling you, this is why I said send me info, that God will multiply what you bring to him. That's the God we serve. But I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if you're in this room and, and you've seen where we've come from, and you're like, man, that's awesome to, to take those steps in two years to see what God has done in these two and a half years where God has brought this church. And, and you're saying, man, I, I want to be a part of what, what God's doing here. I really, I really need a heart for the house. I'm busy. I'm not even sure what I can bring but I want to have a heart for the house. That's the great thing about family. It's not judgment. It's just family. Bring what you can. I want to pray for you this morning that God would just give you a heart for the house. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this group of people. God, I thank you for what you've done in this church. I thank you for the lives that have been changed. I thank you for even this year, the 30 people that began a new life with you begin following you with their life and are going to walk in eternity with you. I thank you for what you're doing to this church. And God, we just thank you for the opportunity to serve and be a part of what's happening. 
God, we thank you for the opportunity for that we get to join with the miracle and join in what's happening. And God, I pray for every person, God, that we would have a greater heart for the house. God, that we would lead from the front. God, that we would see people as they come in and our hearts would just begin to reach out, God. Our prayer is that as Banner Church, more than ever before, God, more than we've ever been as a church, we pray that we would passionately pursue the presence of God. God, we pray that we would do whatever it takes. God, that we would tear through roofs and walls and barriers, that people would come to know the freedom and life of Jesus. God, we pray that we would give up things we love for things we love even more. God, we pray that we would lead from the front. God, we pray that we would work intentionally to become a healthy family. And God, as we celebrate what you're doing, we pray that this will be the most exciting and the funnest year in Banner Church history to this date, God. We pray that as much as we've celebrated, that you would bring tenfold. As much as we've sown, that you would bring a hundredfold in harvest, God. And I pray that for every heart that commits to a harvest, that you would honor that through your Holy Spirit and you would meet them, God, to every person that they're called to share the gospel for every time they're, they're set to serve in their families, in their cities, in their life. We pray for breakthrough and we pray for new things and miracles, God, because a group of people said, God, I commit to having a heart for your house and a heart for your church. And I thank you that you dwell with us, that you call each one of us your home and that your spirit resides in us and goes with us in Jesus' name, amen.